0: he is our father. And as we look at the text this evening, that is important to keep in mind that God has described himself as our father, that Jesus has told us to pray to God as our father. Let us not forget that. Uh, This evening, we will be looking at the fifth commandment. We have been going through the book of Exodus in the evenings for some time now. And um, We have been, the last few times together, going through various uh, commandments. As we go through the Ten Commandments, we've made it through the first four. And this evening, we are in commandment number five. Lord willing, next week, we'll take up the sixth commandment. So our text is very short, but that doesn't make it any the less important and powerful. If you would hear now, the word of the living God, for the word of God is completely inerrant. The Word of God is completely authoritative, and the Word of God is completely sufficient. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you as our Father, Lord, for you have given to us that privilege. You have called us your children, redeemed by the blood of your Son. And so as we come into your presence, we acknowledge that you are indeed our Father, the one who loves us, the one who cares for us, and the one to whom we owe honor and obedience. Help us, O Lord, to understand who you are and what duty you require of us this evening. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. The world has changed in the last few generations. And this evening, as we look at the fifth commandment, I think this shows us One illustration of just how much the world has changed without us taking conscious expression of it. In the generation before my generation, there was a question that became popular and was out throughout all of the culture. And it was question authority. It went along with a saying that said, you can't trust anyone over 30 Well, the people that said that are now well over 30. And perhaps wishing that they had never said that in the first place. But at that time, we were to question authority, I would say, in my generation and in the generation that follows me. The saying is not question authority. It's disobey authority. We have come to the point, at least in our country, in our land, where all authority is not only suspect, we are not owed any honor to authority. We are not to obey authority. We are not to think that actually that there even is any good authority. One of the things that has become a part of our culture is a denigration of authority, that society is wrong, that structural uh, Society and culture is to blame for all of our ills. We blame everything that is wrong in our lives with those who have gone before us. And again, this is a dangerous game. Because we all grow older. And this year's rebels become next year's those who are rebelled against. The Bible has a different truth for us in this commandment. The Bible teaches us that we are to honor our father and mother. And in this, as we have been looking at each of these commandments, there is indeed a broadness to the commandment. We are not to interpret it in its most narrow form. We are not to say, well, I have to obey my natural father and my natural mother. But not my boss. But not my adoptive parents but not those who are in authority over me in government or in the military or in society. No, I want to make it as narrow as possible to avoid the scope of this commandment. The way we should look as Christians at this commandment by faith is as broadly as possible. And we should seek to honor those whom God has placed in authority over us. For after all, there is no authority, the Bible tells us other than that which is established by God. Even those who are in authority over us and act wickedly have been put in that authority by God, and they will be called to account for their actions. And often, their wickedness in ruling is God's judgment upon us, for our lack of faith. Well, this evening, we will look at this fifth commandment. And as we have done, we will look at it in a broad scope. First, we will look at the duty of the commandment, what the commandment requires of us. And then second, we'll look at the need for this commandment. Why does God use one of the 10 words on this? Why is this one of the 10 commandments? There is a need for this commandment. And then finally, as we have been doing, we will look at the blessing of this commandment. Because I hope one of the things you have been seeing in our study in the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments are a blessing to us. That our lives would be far poorer, far more chaotic, far more wicked and evil if we did not have God's commandments. The duty of the commandment, the need for this commandment, and the blessing this commandment. Let's start by looking at what God is requiring of us. The Shorter Catechism tells us that God's word teaches us who God is and what duty he requires of us. And this passage is no different. The passage tells us to honor your father and your mother. Now, what does it mean to honor someone? There are numerous citations in the scriptures to this concept of honor, especially in the Old Testament, this Hebrew word to honor has two basic meanings that are related. The first is not to think lightly of someone. The word honor actually carries with it a connotation of weight. Someone is honored, they are weighty. Now, That doesn't mean how much they tip on the scales, But what it does mean is we are to take them seriously with honor. They have importance. There's an old Latin word that I think even applies today. We are to treat others with gravitas, seriousness, to honor them. There is a reverence that is built up in this, a good and healthy fear. Not a slavish fear, but a fear of awe and respect. You see someone and you honor them, and you, you want to please them. You don't want to, them to be disappointed in you. That's the kind of fear we're talking about. Now, this kind of honor was typically reserved for God. God is the, the weightiest of all persons, of all beings. He is weighty beyond measure. He is glorious, and we give God that honor. We see this in the book of Leviticus, in chapter 19, verse 3, where we read the the following. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. So this commandment is put in the context of the Lord being our God. It doesn't come out of nowhere. This is not natural law. This is a positive declaration of our God. And our Lord Jesus Christ modeled this in John chapter 8. He speaks of honoring His Father. Now, I want to remind you that when Jesus speaks this way, He was a full-grown adult. He wasn't a child. He wasn't a teen. He was an adult who made his own decisions and lived his own life. But that did not excuse him from honoring his father, from honoring his heavenly father. So we should take note of that. So if you think you have moved past the point of this fifth commandment, perhaps you have grown older, perhaps even your natural parents have passed on, and you think, I don't need to worry about this anymore. This commandment is a one-way street. I get all the honor. Don't let that mindset take over because there are always those who are in authority to whom we owe respect and honor. And even if we don't have any earthly person that we owe honor, we owe honor to the Lord, our God, who is our heavenly father. There's a second aspect to this word honor. Not only does it mean weighty or important, it means valuable or precious. To treat your father and mother, those who are in authority over you, as valuable, as precious. And I could think of it this way, perhaps. You ladies could understand this. You ladies who are married, you have uh, a wedding ring. You have an engagement ring with a diamond upon it. And I'm sure it's dear to you. So when you go out in the yard and and do some various tasks like gardening or, or pruning or cleaning up, you must come into the house, take your ring off and just toss it somewhere in the kitchen, right? I'll find it later. There's no problem with that, right? Isn't that how you treat your ring? No. If you're like any lady I've ever met, what you do is you come and you gently take it off and you clean it and you place it in a place that is safe where you know you will find it again because it's valuable to you. You don't treat it lightly. You don't toss it aside. Far too often in our day, We toss aside our parents. Our parents are shunted off. They're not visited in their old age. They're not honored in their old age. In days gone by, aged parents lived in the homes of their children. Now, I'm not saying you've got to take, all of you need to take your parents in, but I am saying that as your parents grow older, you need to treat them with value. They're precious to you. Now, this honor is modeled after the honor that we owe God. God describes himself as our father for two reasons. The first is so that we can understand our relationship with God because we have human fathers and we can draw an analogy and understand who God is. But I think there's another aspect to to it that is brought out by this text. And that is that we honor our fathers because they have fatherhood, like God is our father. Our parents are in authority over us. Those in the civil magistrate are in authority over us. Those who are in any aspect of authority over us are, in a sense, delegates of God. And so they are owed the honor Not the same honor, not the exact honor, but a picture, an analogy of honor that we give to God. And so if you wonder how you should treat your parents, how you should treat those who are in authority over you, this text, this commandment, gives you instructions. This is another positive teaching as to how we are to view God. We view God as our Father, as one whom we honor. And this commandment has an interesting place in the Ten Commandments. We often speak of the first and second tables of the law. And whether it's strictly speaking correct, we think about the first table of the law as those commandments that apply to our relationship with God. Commandments 1, 2, 3, and 4. And then we think of the second table of the law as those commandments that apply to our relationship with our fellow man, 5 through 10. But interestingly enough, this fifth commandment is a sort of a bridge between the two, because it does deal with how we are to interact with each other, but it also deals with how we are to interact with God as our Heavenly Father. It gives us instruction. James makes it very clear to us in his third chapter. He says, we ought not, brethren, to with the same tongue bless God and curse man. It's kind of the ancient New Testament equivalent of when someone says, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? The way you speak. You see, we can't bifurcate our lives We can't put part of our life in a silo in which we are to be holy and to follow God and the rest of our life, anything goes. No. The commandment comes to us as a whole person. Now, what is required here is not only honor, but is also, I think, obedience. And this obedience does indeed have a limit. It is limited by the authority of God. And so, for example... Children are told to obey their parents in the Lord, which is a very important qualification. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3. And so, it is not a dictatorship. It is not an autocracy. We cannot obey our parents in their calls to us to sin, But we obey them in the Lord. The Lord has given them this authority, and so we are to obey them in this. And that means more than simply when our parents tell us the commands of Scripture. It means when we are under their authority, we obey them in things that would be indifferent. The Bible does not tell you what time to go to bed at night. The Bible doesn't tell you how many vegetables you should eat. Not even the book of Daniel. And yet that's no excuse for us to disobey our parents. Because simply we can't find that command in the Bible. The command in the Bible for you is here, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Obey your parents, honor your parents, as the Bible explains this. Now, it's interesting. John Calvin makes this point in a very pointed way, as he so often does. In his commentary on this passage, he writes the following. Immoderate strictness. Now, and if you don't know what immoderate means, it means over the top, more than you would expect. Immoderate strictness, moroseness, and even cruelty must be born. So long as mortal man, by wickedly demanding what is not lawful, does not endeavor to rob God of his right. Now, let me see if I can parse that a bit for you. In our language, Calvin is saying even if those who are in authority over you act with overly strict nature, discouragement, depression, even cruelty, so long as they are not robbing God of his honor, we are to obey them. Take that into your next discussion about our elected officials. And if you think John Calvin just didn't understand this, John Calvin had to flee his native land of France because the king wanted to have him killed for preaching the gospel. So this was everyday life for Calvin. This was not theory. You see, it's easy for us, we've said this over and over again, to keep God's commands when we get to set the parameters. I'll honor my parents when they deserve it. I'll obey my father and mother when they're right. No, that's not what the text says. You don't get to put those parameters around God's commandment. When we honor our parents, we not only obey them, but we also care for them. Jesus picks this up in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. In verse 4, he says, For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But if you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, and so he need not honor his father, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? We are to care for our parents. But if we only have so much resources or funds, and we have to give something to God, and if mom and dad are unable to eat or unable to care for themselves, that's okay. Because I have to obey God first. I have to honor God first. What Jesus is saying here is you're not honoring God. Because if you really were to honor God, you would care for your parents and fulfill this command that God has given to you. This is what the command tells us to do. But the command also, I think, takes up whom we are to honor. Obviously, the text tells us easily that parents are to be honored. Now, I want you to notice something here from the book of Exodus. From thousands of years ago. We are to honor not only father, but mother. Do you see how God, in this instance, makes equal the father and the mother? They are both worthy of honor. Some of our present-day egalitarians could take a note from this. That God is pro-woman, pro-mother, pro-wife. And he gives women honor in his word. And this is, of course, as we've said, true of adult children as well as young children. But again, I think as we look at this command, we ought not just to keep it narrowly to our parents. I think it also goes to those who are in authority over us. And the first thing that we can think about are church leaders, elders, ministers. We see in 2 Kings 2, Elisha giving such honor to Elijah. As Elijah is being carried up by the flaming chariot, Elisha looks up to him when he says, my father, my father. And he did everything that Elijah asked him to do. He was prepared for his own ministry by the honor that he gave to his father, Elisha. So it is for us. We are prepared for our life, for our marriages, for our parenting, for our ministry by honoring and obeying those whom God has placed in authority over us. Paul puts it this way in 1 Timothy 5. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, again, this is not a call to autocracy. This is not a call to do everything that church leaders tell you to do, for they must give account to God. One of the most fearful verses in all of the Scripture is to pray for your elders for they must give account for the souls that are under their care. But it's not just leaders that we are to honor. Paul tells us that we are to honor older believers among us. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, he writes, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men, As brothers. And so we are to honor those who are in the church. But of course, Paul writes to us in Romans 13 that we are to honor those who are in authority over us in the civil government. Peter tells us that we are to honor the king in his first letter. And so we are to give honor and respect and obedience where it is owed to those who are in authority over us. Now, the scripture does give an important caveat. Peter and John tell us that they must obey God rather than man. And so if the government tells you that you are not to share the gospel, you are not to honor that government and obey it. Perhaps more practically and to the point, when the government tells you that you must not gather to worship, that worship is illegal, you do not need to honor that pronouncement. Now, again, there are grades of this. So where there is not an absolute bar to worship, where the government tells us that we must take certain precautions and strictures, your leaders here at the church have followed along with that to show respect and honor to our civil government. If you think that I enjoyed wearing a mask, you're crazy. I don't enjoy sitting every other row and watching people come in late and play kind of a Jenga game to see where they can sit. I don't enjoy not having fellowship meals. But to the extent that I can, in order to obey God, I will also obey my government. Because in doing so, I announce the principle that I'm honoring God. Why do we have this commandment? What's the need for this commandment? Why is it here in the midst of the ten? Well, I think the fifth commandment is deliberately linked with the fourth commandment. You may recall that the fourth commandment was the first positive commandment. It was not a do not, but it was rather a do. And so it is here with the fifth commandment. It, it links our behavior with others to our behavior with God. So, for example, John writes in his first letter, chapter 4, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother also. Jesus writes in Matthew Tells us in Matthew 22, and the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the idea here is, is that we show our love for God by showing our love for man. We show our obedience to God by showing our obedience to the authorities that are placed over us. Hebrews chapter 12 writes, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? You can't say you're obeying God when you're not obeying the authorities that God has placed over you. But there's a second reason why we need this command. It makes for a stable society. Paul makes it clear that everything falls apart when this command is disobeyed. In God's providence, we read a text that I want to draw your attention to this evening to Romans chapter 1, the end of that chapter. And you may recall that Paul is listing out a series of horrible sins that are destructive to society and to culture. He says that in these days, They will be filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. And he says, not only do they do these evil things, they are inventors of evil things. And he goes on to speak about those who are foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. But do you know what's right in the middle of this list? It's something I passed over. Disobedient to parents. Now, I think if we were coming up with a list of society's ills, or if Congress were passing a bill, there are all sorts of bills they try to pass, but they don't pass the Honor for Parents Act. I haven't seen that in any legislation. And yet... Every serious social scientist will say every one of society's ills can be traced back to the breakdown of the family, and specifically to the abandonment of the family by fathers and the disrespect of children toward their absent fathers and toward the mothers who have raised them. You are so many more times likely to be in poverty, to be in jail, or to be killed if you grow up in a home where father and mother are not respected society and its stability depends on this commandment this commandment is also given to us it is necessary because it goes against our human nature if god did not give you and i this command we would not want to do it it would not come naturally to us to give honor To our parents. We are by nature rebels. We don't want any authority over us. After all, isn't that the root of the first sins? That Satan fell from heaven because he wanted to be God? That Adam sinned and Eve with him because they rebelled against the authority of God? They wanted to be as God? That's bound up in our nature as sinners. And so we need this command. Without it, we would not have a stable society or obey God. Well, finally, there is a blessing to this command. There is a promise that comes with this command. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. If the fourth commandment is the first positive command, the fifth commandment is the commandment with a promise. Do you see that? The first, the second, the third, the fourth do not have a promise annexed to them. This commandment does. It is added as a stimulus to us to urge us on to obedience that we would cheerfully obey. That we would see the grace that God has given to us. And that we would seek to obey Him. And it is a personal blessing that comes to us. When this commandment is repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, there is additional language that is found. The commandment reads as follows. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now this became so important to the Israelites that when they translated the book of Exodus into Greek, the translators actually imported this additional personal promise from Deuteronomy 5, into Exodus 20. The Greek translation of Exodus 20 reads that your days may be long in the land and that it may go well with you. That's how important it was to them. And Paul actually picks this up in Ephesians chapter 6 when he tells us that we are to honor our fathers and our mothers and we are to do this so that it may go well with us. This commandment is a blessing to us. Now, it's important to understand that this is not some kind of carrot that God sticks before us. As if, if you do this, look at the goodie I'll give you. Follow me here, and I'll give you a blessing. No, instead, what God is doing for us is he is pointing out the inseparable connection between obedience and blessing. You cannot have blessing without obedience. And obedience leads to blessing. When we obey the Lord our God, he blesses us because we are walking in the way of life. Every command that God gives to us is for our good. It is so that we may live lives of wholeness and beauty and peace. Now, it's also shown by the severe penalties that we find in God's word for violating this commandment. Do you find it interesting that over and over again in the Old Testament, that a violation of this command brings about the penalty of death. One would think that that would be applied to, for example, the sixth commandment and murder. Or maybe even the eighth commandment and theft. But no. Over and over again, God's word talks about a severe penalty for disobedience. And this is not just for the normal conditions of killing a parent. No, it's also for striking a parent or even cursing a parent. We see this over and over again in Exodus chapter 20 and Leviticus chapter 20. This is a blessing that God gives to us. But look at the end of verse 12 with me. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Don't let your mind trail off at the end of this command. This is an evangelistic blessing. The land which the Lord your God is giving you. This acknowledges the blessing that we have from God. That what we have comes from Him. And the interesting thing is, is that if we think about who is this command primarily addressed to? I think it's primarily addressed to children. Because children have fathers and mothers. And children are to live long in the land that God has given to them. Now, we might say that this could apply to someone who's 85. And they might live a long time. I've had stories of people that either I know or you've told me of, of parents or aunts or uncles or grandparents who lived to 105 or 108 or some lengthy time. But if we think about living long in the land, I think the primary audience for this is children. And what this does is it acknowledges that they are a part of the covenant community. Children are not an add-on to the covenant community of God. They are a part of that community and they receive the promises and they have the obligations from God's word. They are a full part of our community. They're not to be separated off or or treated differently as a different society. No, children are a part of the church, of the people of God. And this language also provides to us an opportunity to show obedience to God and to trust him for our future. Because if we're honest with ourselves, what we want to do is to take care of our own future. We want to be in control. We want to know that we've got things planned out. And we will even do that at the expense of our family. We want to make sure that we'll be fine even if others aren't. But this commandment tells us that we're to trust God, that we obey Him, and we leave the blessings to Him to pour out on us. What it means, to be frank, is even if I think I could do something better, I have to trust God. I have to trust Him Not only in how he rules over me, but with the authorities he's placed over me. That God knows what he's doing. That God is wise. That God has a purpose for my life. You were not born in this place and at this time by accident. God has placed you here deliberately. You may have wanted to have been born in 1910. Or in 1838. Or in 1542. But God has placed you in this place at this time. In the family that he has given to you. Under the government that he has given you. In the job that he has given you for a purpose. Trust that God does that for good. Trust that God does that for your good. Well, as we conclude, let's just think about a few things In conclusion first as we dwell on this commandment we must think about our relationship with others as a part of our religion who we are and the faith that we have is not just how we relate to God it is how we relate to others God makes that clear and he makes demands upon us and then secondly God knows our needs this commandment secures our good. God has given it to us that we may live long and that it may go well with us in the land that God has given to us. And I think most importantly, let us not miss the opportunity that this commandment gives to us. It is an opportunity for us to be like Christ. Because Christ kept this commandment perfectly in thought, word, and action. And so as we obey this command, we don't do it out of just raw duty. We do it to be like Jesus. Do you want to be more like Jesus today? I hope you do. Do you wonder how you could be more like Jesus today? Well, one of the ways is before you to honor your father and mother, to obey those who are in authority over you. That is a practical way this week that you can be more like Jesus. May God be praised for His commands that He has given to us and the blessings that He showers upon us. For He is indeed worthy. Let's pray.